Praise God. Well, I'm glad to be here today. As a matter of fact, at my age, I'm glad to be anywhere. <laughs> Praise God. I'll be, I was here 50 years ago. I was only two. But, but uh, I, I met some ladies last night, some seasoned citizens. Not senior, some seasoned citizens who remember us coming as a family singing. And uh, just for you, the Holy Ghost will set your feet a-dancing. The Holy Ghost will thrill you through and through. The Holy Ghost will set your feet a-dancing. And set your heart a-dancing too. That's for you guys. So. That's a song we wrote many, many years ago. It set a lot of people free to dance before the Lord. And when dancing was kind of, of a moot point. But uh, I'm glad to be here today. I'm glad Pastor Glenn and Pastor Debbie invited me to come and I know God sent me. I'm maybe not what you prayed for, but I'm what God sent. And I know God sent me here with a word of encouragement, a word of impartation, a word of impact. And just the Bible says that him that has an ear to hear, let him hear. That presupposes you can hear and not hear. How many have kids? And you know what I'm talking about. I have four kids. They're all, they're all grown up. My youngest is 35. I have a granddaughter, 18, a grandson, 14, a granddaughter in Scotland, who's three next week. And uh, my, grandson, my son, David, who's 36, and uh, who's a father of the, the granddaughter, when he was younger, I would say to him, David, cut the grass. Okay, Dad, I will. Now, he's one of those boys never said no, but didn't always do it. <laughs> so three days later, when my hair's standing on the back of my neck is red, I said, David, cut the grass. And he said, you never told me to cut the grass. I asked you to call hearing, but not hearing. So, but the Bible says, let him that is near to hear, let him hear what the Spirit has sent to church today. And I'm glad to say, I believe God has sent me with a word of encouragement. Simple words, simple words, but God words that will change your life forever. Amen. Now, if you want to get the best out of me, you've got to say something like, Amen. Now, rumor has it that you Canadians or you Halifax people are pretty shy and pretty quiet. I don't believe that at all. I reckon if you say, Amen, brother, or down the south, they say, I feel you. You'll get the best out of me. So, smile and just encourage me a little bit and get the best out of me. That's right. I, hear, I feel it right away. This lady used to go to work every day past a pet shop. This has got nothing to do with what I'm preaching on. But this lady had a pet shop, and she passed to work every day past a pet shop. But one day, the pet shop owner put a parrot outside the door on a perch. So the lady's passing by about six feet away, and as she passes the parrot, the parrot shouts, ugly, ugly, ugly. And the woman's startled, and this went on for about a week. Every day she passes, ugly, ugly. So finally, at the end of the week, she got fed up. She said, went into the store, and she said to the manager, I'm sick of that bird. Every time I pass by, he calls me ugly. The manager said, Madam, he won't do it again. So she went, the next day, she passes by six feet. She walks past the parrot. The parrot looks. You know how the parrots look? Never said a word. Oh, she says, great. The second day, she goes in, and she passes three feet. She goes a bit nearer to see how... how how he, he would react and never says a word. The third day, she goes right up and looks the parrot in the face. And the parrot said, you know. 
So, Next time your wife asks you the question, does this dress make me look thin? You know. I've been married for 44 years to the same woman, Margaret, and uh, we just have a great relationship, a great marriage, and four, like I said, four children. We are twins. They're 40 years old. And uh, a, a girl, a boy and a girl, 40, and a girl, 35, and a boy, 36, and that's the gray hair. That's where the gray hair comes from, my boys, not the girls. The boys give me the gray hair. But I want to read something today. I want to share something that is going to transform your life and is going to challenge you because I believe we can fill this church up in no time at all if we can grasp what I'm going to share today. How many know God wants to save your family? God wants to save your family. And I'm going to I'm going to parachute off this verse in Hebrews 11 and 7, and we're going to share some on that. And listen to what it says. By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. Read it again. By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. Noah built an ark to save his family. And I'm telling you something this morning. You are sitting here today building an ark for the saving of your family. Can I hear an amen? Can I get a feel you? Can I get amen and hallelujah? Whatever it is. And this message is going to inspire you to believe for your family. Because let me tell you, the devil is out to destroy your family. And we often think of, you know, let's pray for Africa, the missions, and let's pray for India, and let's pray for all these different countries. But meanwhile, back at the ranch, Jimmy's not saved. Sandra's not saved. You're getting a message. You're getting a thought today. Your brother's not saved. Your, your auntie's not saved. And, and we forget about that. But why don't we start zooming in on our families and looking at every individual family member? Because I believe everybody here, you've got unsafe family members, right? How, how many have got unsafe family members? Some of you wouldn't raise your hand no matter what. But anyway, I believe you all have. We all have. But I believe some of you have got unsafe family members within close proximity to this church. And if we were to believe God for them, God could bring them in and save them, and we could fill this church in a matter of weeks. Can you hear an amen? Because God wants you to believe for your families. In the Old Testament, he's a God of families. In the Old Testament, he worked with 12 tribes or 12 clans. Clan is a Scottish word, a Hebrew word. Clan is for this clan. And uh, it's also the Scottish word for family. He worked with 12 families. He worked with 12 families. He's known as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He's a family man. In Joshua chapter 6, he talks about Rahab and all her family were saved. Are you with me? These are instances when God saved families. In Luke chapter 19, Zacchaeus and all his family, all that were in his house, were saved. In Acts chapter 10, Cornelius the centurion who gave to God and honored God and worshiped God, the Bible says all that was in his house were saved. Are you getting the theme today? Are you getting the theme? There's a theme in the Bible. There's a, a line through the Bible that talks about family salvation. In Acts chapter 16, the Philippian jailer. Somebody called him one time the Philippian jailer. The Philippian jailer and all his family, that rug, rugged, rough, probably put people to death person. All, he and all his house were saved. Are you getting the message today? And God wants us, you and I, to believe for Jimmy, to believe for Sandra, to believe believe for Violet and all these different family members you have that haven't come to Jesus yet. 
I was talking to a lady about six years ago, and she was telling me about her husband, and this is what she said to me. She said, you know, he's not saved. And the way she said it, there was a finality about it. It's like she didn't expect him to get saved. But as she said it to me, the Holy Spirit whispered to me and said, he's not saved yet. Now, I want to encourage your heart this morning. I want you to think of your, of your family, that hard nut. Because the harder the head, the bigger the hammer. Are you with me? That hard nut, that alcoholic, that drug addict, it's out there somewhere. I want you to name them, and I want you to think they're not saved yet. Because that's the yet of faith. That's the yet of faith. And God wants us to be in faith for our families and our loved ones. Never first believe it possible. Secondly, prepare for it. And thirdly, see it come to pass. Never say they will never get saved. You see, in Hebrews 11, it's a great hall of faith. To get into the great hall of faith, you had to be spectacular. You had to be significant. You had to be better than just the, the status quo. Abraham believed God that he could make him fruitful in his old age. He's in, he's in there. Isaac blessed his children with regards to the future. Jacob worshipped leaning on his staff, the twister, the supplanter, the cheat, the thief. He ended up worshipping God on his staff. He's in Hebrews 11. And, and Joseph gave commands for his bones. I love that story. Joseph, when he's dying, he said to his children, look, I'm dying in Egypt here. But promise me one thing. Take my bones with you. When God delivers you, take my bones with you. You know what I believe? I believe Joseph thought, God could resurrect me on the other side. And I don't want my bones sitting in Egypt here, buried in Egypt. I want them buried in the promised land. Are you with me today? And God wants us to have faith like that. Moses was in the Hebrews 11 because he refused to be called one of the Egyptians. Rahab the harlot. My, she's in the hall of faith. Because she believed God, she hid the spies. And because of her faithfulness, God saved all that was in her house. How many want to see your family saved? How many want to see just that transformation? And I want to get into your spirit today. We want to, we want to be challenged. We want the scripture to challenge us. We want, to, we want the, the scripture to inspire us to do great things for God. In the Old Testament, the devil's out. See, the thing is, the devil's out to destroy your family. In the Old Testament, Adam and Eve in Genesis, right in the beginning of the Old Testament, Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden, and everything's going hunky-dory, as we say. Everything's going just fine. Until one of the brothers killed his brother. And right there for you and I in the beginning of scripture. The first family is destroyed because of the work of the enemy. The first family. Cain murders Abel. And since then it's, it's, the, the devil's had his way with families. In Exodus chapter 1. Pharaoh, the Bible says, the children of Israel are in Egypt. And, and they're, they're being blessed and they're multiplying. Even their slavery, they're, they're multiplying. And the Bible said, but there arose a Pharaoh who didn't recognize Joseph. And he looked, at his, he looked at the children of Israel multiplying. Because how many know God blesses you even in slavery? Even though they were going through a valley, even though they're going through a trial, God will bless you. God will multiply you. Because that's what God does. He's a big God, does big things. He's a supernatural God doing supernatural things. In the midst of a time when you, when you should be down on your knees crying for help, somehow God is blessing you. That's the God we have. That's the God we have. And he, looks, he tells his commanders, look, they're getting too many for us. Kill all the baby boys. And all through the camp of Israel, there's weeping and wailing because the enemy has destroyed family upon family upon family. And the New Testament, 
Jesus is born. And the three wise men come. In Matthew chapter 2, the three wise men come and they go to Herod and they say, Herod, we're here to see the newborn king. And Herod's thinking, I'm the king. I've never heard of this newborn king. I'm the king. So Herod said to the three wise men, I'll tell you what to do. You go and find him, worship him, and come back and give me his address. And don't forget the zip code or the postcode up here. And I'll go and worship him too. Hardy, har, har. Well, you know what happened? They were warned in a dream. They never came back. And, and Herod got so angry, he sends out an edict, kill all the baby boys. And once again, all through the camp of Israel, mothers are weeping for their children because the enemy is out to destroy. Are you getting the picture today? It's out to destroy the families. Interesting. Kill all the baby boys. The, the male is the producer. Produces the next generation. And the devil would love to stop your generation. The, the devil would love to kill your generation. Are you with me? But thank God, greater is he that was within us than he that is in the world. Family destroyers, drugs, alcohol, divorce, abortion. Abortion. I, I, I read a bumper sticker one time. It said, abortion. Hitler would have loved it. We think the Nazi wartime is cruel. And, and it was. But what about abortion? They, just, they tried to pass a law in Virginia two months ago that would allow the baby to be born, and the baby would be born outside the mother, and if the mother said words like, I'm distressed, the doctor would make a decision where the baby would live or die. I mean, come on, what's the world coming to? Now, it was defeated by one vote. But how many know one vote is enough when God is involved? And they're going to bring it up next year, but with the churches are getting together, and we're going to come against it, and it'll never pass. Because we believe in the right of the child. Are you with me today? So the family destroyers. But here's the good news. If the devil is out to destroy your family, God is out to save your family. God is out to bless your family. God is out to strengthen your family, no matter who they are. God has always had builders like the Wesleys in England and Jonathan Edwards and Charles Spurgeon and Billy Graham and, and all these different, and Faith Tabernacle Church, a family builder, a family impactor. Are you with me today? And God's got you here for a purpose, not to sit in a pew Sunday after Sunday. That's why they're called pews, because you're sitting them so long with the pew. I don't get you. get that one somewhere. But God wants us to be inspired and to get into our communities and do something for the kingdom of God and never give up. Don't let, don't let the size of your giant determine the size of your God. I'll say that one again. That's a good one. Don't let the size of your giant determine the size of your God. Because let me tell you this. If God has put a Goliath in front of you, he must see a David within you. Are you with me? And I'll tell you, never think, don't you think yourself, it's impossible. I, the, I can't do this. It's a lie of the devil. You can do it. You will do it. You will see your family saved. You will have a warden season for them. And we'll believe God for them. And we'll see the harvest come to pass. Are you with me? The word for build, the Greek word is katasiazo. It means to prepare or make arrangements. You ever wonder why you do some things? Like, why do we meet every Sunday morning? And like in our church, you know, I'm in church. We have a 9, a nine o'clock service, an 11 o'clock service. We're there at 8 o'clock. And you ever do, wonder why you do that? Well, because mama did it or papa did it. And 
You know, that's the way we do. We go to church on Sunday. It's culture. No, I'll tell you what we're doing. Just in case you didn't know, you're building for the saving of your family. Now, you can tell now I'm not from America. I'm from Scotland. I've been there 35 years. I love America. I visit Scotland every year. I have two kids in Scotland and two kids in America. They're all brought up in Scotland, but two decide to go back. I don't know why. But we go home every year, my wife and I. My wife's Scottish too. But the truth is, God wants to change us. Why do we do the things we do? We're building. I was brought up in Scotland, and my, I was brought up in church, and I was in church five nights a week. And I like to tell you I loved it. I, did, I hated it. I mean, come on. Beautiful summer nights. You know, you get them up here, and, and the long summer nights with daylight. I mean, it's daylight in Scotland until 11 o'clock at night. And then it just dips in for a while, and then it comes up again. And, uh, you know, I, my daughter got married in Scotland last year, last July, and we were all home for it. And the wedding finished at midnight, but we all sat up till 7 in the morning because it was daylight, you know. But I was brought up in church. I was brought up five nights a week, and I hated it. I was in church sitting under the pew maybe, and I probably carved a few initials in the pews as well. I, I, I repent for that. But I didn't know it then, but I know now my father and mother were building for the saving of your family. Why do you bring your kids? You don't, when your kids are little, you don't give them an option. You bring them to church. You're going to get under the ward. You're going to get under the spout where the glory comes out. And we're going to get into the presence of God and, and find out what, and feel the presence of God. Can I hear an amen? Believe it. You know, just understand God wants to bless our children. God wants us to prepare. To prepare. Why do we come to church? We're preparing. So here are several thoughts to help us build. If you want to get, get your family saved, listen to this. And, and, and I speak from this church. Find a good, healthy church and attend it regularly. If you are sporadic, your kids will be sporadic. There's a, there's a, there's a stat out now in America that a lot of people are going once a month. We call them once a monthers. Well, if you're a once a monther, you'll get once a month blessing. But if you're once a weeker, you are. It's true. I mean, is God worth once a month or is he worth every day of your life? Take your family on the journey with you. Don't, you know, just keep them involved. Get them on the journey. Don't be legalistic. Be flexible with your kids. Make church a fun experience. Great worship. That was great worship today, wasn't it? That band did well. I love to see that nice Gretsch White Falcon guitar. I'm a, I have a, a Gretsch guitar, and I, I appreciate guitars, and it was great to see. That. I haven't seen a White Falcon for a long time. But make it fun. Make it a fun experience. Make friends in church. Because if you do, your kids will. Thank you, Debbie. <laughs> so we all build in different ways. In Genesis chapter 6, Noah built a big ship to save his family, a big ark to save his family. Thank you, Glenn. That's the bacon from the breakfast this morning. In Genesis 4, Joseph had to build big storehouses to save his family. In Exodus chapter 1, Moses' mother had to build a small ark of bulrushes to save her family. And on and on it goes, and we'll go different ways. But here's, here's the thing. How do we build an ark? If you're taking notes, here's point number one. I'll be very quick. I don't see a clock there. I see exit. I don't know what that means. But I, uh, anyway, Debbie, you'll be, give me fair warning. How many will give me five more minutes? 
5, 10, 15, 20. Oh. <laughs> We're fine. I feel you. 20 minutes. Oh. That's what I spent. Okay. Oh, I have 10 minutes left. Okay. Here we go. How do we build an ark? I'll tell you how you do it. One plank at a time. See, here's a problem. We look at our family that are gone from God. We see the big thing and we get overawed. We get overwhelmed. What can I do? It's just me. But we build an ark, a plank at a time. Let's focus in on one person at a time. Are you with me? So here's some planks that will help us build for our families. Number one, the plank of prayer. Prayer. Pray for your family. Pray for, pray for the hardest nuts. Don't, don't take the easy way. It's easy to take the easy way. Well, they're nearly saved. <laughs> God will save. God works in mysterious ways. God, God will save the hardest nuts, the, the, the people you least expect. Pray for them. Now, prayer is not the only thing you should do, but prayer is the first thing you should do. Are you with me? Some people pray, but that's all they do. But prayer is the first thing you should do. Then we add to prayer faith. And we have to pray works. Can I hear an amen? When we pray for everyone else, so why don't we just pray for each other as well? I remember one time, my pastor was sick. Not this, not this pastor Steve, but the pastor before. He was sick, and I went down to speak for him. And, and uh, on the way down, I felt the Holy Spirit say, pray for Wally. And uh, so I said, okay. So uh, when I got down there after the service, I said to his wife, look, Wally's sick in the house. And it's just next door to the church. I said, let me go over and pray with him. So we went over. And I went in and I said, here, Wally, he's a good friend. We're good friends. I'm here to pray for you. And he laughed. Now, he wasn't laughing because he didn't believe I was going to pray. But he just laughed and he thought it was funny me saying to him, he's the pastor. And I'm saying to him, I'm praying for you. But, you know, we pray for everybody else. So why can't we pray for each other? So I said to Wally, let's pray for you. And I prayed for him and God healed him. So the thing is, listen to that voice. Listen to that still small voice. Because the human nature, the, the old nature doesn't want to pray. The old nature is selfish. Give me, give me, give me. But the new nature that's in you, pray for that one. Talk, encourage that one. Have a word for that. Are you with me today? So first, we, we pray. We pray. Number two, we believe God's word. Plank number two, believe what God said it. In Joshua chapter six, you and your house shall be saved. And if God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Well, let, me, let me put it this way. If God said it, whether I believe it or not, that settles it. But if we believe it, we will see it. Amen? So believe, think your family. Think, believe it and see it. That settles it. In John 3 and 6, it's not God's will that any should perish. God gave his son to die for us. The best, heaven's best. So you I can sit here today and your family members out there doing what they're doing, they can sit here as well because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Believe God's word. Number three, perseverance. Never give up. Never give up. And Nehemiah, remember when Nehemiah went to rebuild the walls? It's a funny thing. The walls had lain for 18 years in shambles. And God talks to a man thousands of miles away and gives him a burden to come back and uh, you'll read the story. Go to Nehemiah 4, you'll read the story. It's an amazing story. And not only did the king allow him to go, but the king 
Artaxerxes gave him provisions and money to finish the job. But he gets there, and, uh, you know, the, the Sanballat and Tobias, they come along, and they sneer at him. They try to dissuade him. And, and one of the questions were, they said was, will they build it in a day? Of course, the answer to that was no. But how many of them were not here for a day? I remember when, when Pastor Steve came to the church 20 years ago, we're out playing golf on the Monday, and uh, I, said, I remember saying to him, hey, only six people saved last night. And I'll never forget, he looked at me and he said, hey, Bobby, because he's Australian, that's somebody called him. Hey, Bobby, we're not here for last night. We're here for the long haul. And how many know we're here for the long haul? We're here with perseverance. We're not doing the 100-yard dash. Anybody can do a 100-yard dash. We're here for the marathon. We're going to believe for our families no matter how long it takes. Can I hear an amen? Uh, we're not here. We're here. Number, just checking to see if you're listening. Number four. Sow into the kingdom. Sow into the kingdom. Give your, sow your finances. And I'm going to talk about something else as well. When you sow your finances, give your seed an assignment. When you give your tithes and offerings, don't just give it because you're supposed to give it, but think about it. Put some thought into it and give your seed an assignment. When I give my tithe, and it doesn't matter where I go in the world, I'm in this morning, I tithe automatically, I tithe online, and I'm sitting in my office tithing to my church this morning, and whenever I tithe and give my offerings, I put somebody's name on it, like thinking like, I still cousins are not saved. I'll put their name on it. I give my seed an assignment. No, that's biblical. If you wonder where to get that from, it's biblical. Because the Bible says, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the evil one. When Jesus was born, he was born with an assignment. He was born with an assignment to destroy the works of the devil. Are you with me? And did he finish his assignment? Yes, he did. Once and for all has he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So give your seed an assignment. So think about that sister, that uncle, that aunt, that niece. It's not saved yet. But when you're giving your offering, in your mind just think, I'm doing this for them. I'm doing this for them. So your time. So your finances. So your time. When there's things to be done in the church, come on, let's get it done. Let's, if we're having a community event, let's get out in the community and let's get it done. Amen? Amen. So your prayers. I've already said that. Pray for, pray for others. So your ideas. If you're a creative person, get a hold of the creative person in the church and try to create new things for the church. We're a 21st century generation. And we're not going to win people the way we won them 50 years ago. We've got, it's the same message. Jesus saves. Jesus heals. Jesus delivers. Jesus fills with the Holy Spirit. But it's a different method of operation. We've got to change continually to catch people and to bring them into church. Are you with me today? Can I get an amen? amen. Can I get a feel you? That's better. So listen, I know time's gone. Let me finish with this. You don't have to be, do a big thing to get your family saved. My father was 19 years old. He was working up in the north of Scotland. There's a, place, a little village, Hamlet, called John O'Groats. It's the furthest point in Scotland. If you go 10 feet further, you'll fall into the North Sea. It's a, right at the point. There's two points in Britain, John O'Groats and Land's End down in England, the furthest points in the whole UK. And he is, his mother, my grandma, was, was, was sick, and he was going down to, he worked for the war up, up in the, the, the John O'Groats for the war effort. And uh, he was going down to see his grandmother, his mother, who was very sick. 
So he's waiting for the bus, and there's a little tea shop, a little tea room, right next to the bus stop, maybe three or four tables. And he walked into this tea shop, and he sat down. And Mrs. Stevens owned this little tea shop, and Mrs. Stevens was a Christian. And Mrs. Stevens would clean her tea shop every morning, and right between the salt and the pepper, she'd put a gospel tract, or you younger generation, a touch card, talking about Jesus. And my dad ordered a cup of tea. He started to read this thing. And as he read it, he said, Jesus, save me. So Mrs. Stevens came back. And Mrs. Stevens said, uh, he said to the lady, he said, do you mind if I take this home with me? She said, of course you can take it home. Are you a Christian? He said, yes. She said, tell me how you got saved. Well, just right now. <laughs> I just gave my life to Jesus now. And my dad went home. He's sitting in a little Pentecostal church. Didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks to him and says, if you remain faithful, I'll bring in all your family. Let me tell you, seven years later, the next family member got saved. God's delays are not denials. You pray for that family member. It doesn't matter how long you pray, keep praying. Never, never. Men ought always to pray. People ought always to pray. Never give up. And after seven years, two young evangelists came in out, right out of Bible college in England, come up to have a one-week revival. <clears throat> and that one-week revival, rookies, right out of Bible college, and that one-week revival turned into six weeks. And during that six weeks, 95 people gave their lives to Jesus. Wow. 65 were Camerons. All of a sudden, from seven years of nothing, seven years of emptiness, all of a sudden, 65 people come, came to Jesus. Listen, there's over 160, 200 people of our family saved. There's over 32 of us in the ministry. Because Mrs. Stevens put a tract. Salt and a pepper. You don't need a whole lot. You just use what you got. God won't ask you to do what you can't do. He'll only ask you to do what you can do. By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, built an ark to save his family. Have you received the word today? Yes. Two questions. First question. You may be here today. You may be never given your life to Jesus. You may be here because somebody invited you because you were a special guest. You may be here because mama made you come. You may be here because it's just, you've done it, but you've never given your life to Jesus and said, Jesus, come into my life. Well, you could be the first one in your family to start serving God. You could be the Mrs. Stevens in your family or the person in your family to get your family into the kingdom. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today, you're going to say, Robert, I need Jesus. I need Jesus in my life. I've never asked him before. <coughs> I need him in my life. Robert, I have made a decision at one time, but I've fallen off, and I just need to get back into the place where God wants me to be. If you're in either two of these categories, while every head is bowed and every eye closed, I want you to slip your hand up so I can pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm, going to pray. I'm not going to ask you to come out front. I just want to pray with you because God knows your heart. He sees that hand, and I'll see the hand, and I'll pray for you. So every head bowed, lift that hand if you want to. Another one of these two categories. Let me see. Yes, amen. Can I see another hand? Who will be number two? Amen. Can I see another hand? 
Yes, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Listen, everybody, say this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. There's room in my heart for you. Take away my sin. Take even the sin I don't know about. And from this day forward, help me to live for you as I now confess Jesus Christ is Lord and Jesus Christ is my Savior. Amen. Now listen to the second question. Well, in fact, let's, let's rejoice. Let's clap for those people made of the season. Second question. How many want to be, how many want to build an ark for your family? Oh, amen. Amen. You could be the one. One plank at a time. And I never, I forgot to mention it, but because of time, but the plank of faith. The plank of faith. Faith says it shall be done. Faith walks and goes to the, goes to the first step when it kind of see the rest of the staircase. Faith. Faith. Father, I just pray everyone that lifted their hands this morning. They want to build an ark for their families. I pray, Lord, you'll bring them in from the north, the south, the east, and the west. You'll fill this church up with people that are on fire for you, people that are new to you, people, Lord, that have never known you before because we're building an ark for the saving of our families. Father, I pray for Pastor Glenn and Pastor Debbie and for the leadership of this church. I pray, Lord, that you'll just anoint them and, and enlarge them, Father, and inspire them and impact them so we can. Halifax belongs to you. And there's too many people out there living for the devil. But Father, we believe we're going to build an ark. Faith Tabernacle is an ark. That we're going to see people come to know you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless.